welcome everyone to another episode of the International Women's Day podcast series celebrating women within the University of Nottingham community. For our last episode, Catherine at the University of Nottingham Radio is chatting to alumna Emily Setto. Emily graduated from Nottingham with an MSc in clinical microbiology and has moved on to work for NASA as a planetary protection engineer for the Jet Propulsion Lab. Listen to this podcast to hear more from our Alumni Laureate Award winner, Emily Seto. Hear about Emily's health issues in childhood and how this solidified her interest in microbiology. Emily has now moved from clinical sciences to aerospace and what challenges she has faced along the way include gender stereotypes around working in science. If you could just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, so my name is Emily Sito. I'm alumni from Nottingham University. I graduated in 2016 as a clinical microbiology major. And so I'm really excited to be on this podcast and I wanted to thank everybody for the invitation. So uh, just starting off, um, right now I'm a planetary protection and contamination control engineer for a private spacecraft robotics company called Tiny Bee Robotics. I've been in the field of microbiology for eight years and somehow ended up in aerospace. So, you know, I started off protecting people um, from germs and contamination, and now I'm protecting planetary bodies from contamination. Which do you prefer? Are you enjoying doing the uh, aerospace side of things or is it just different? Yeah, so the great question, because there's quite a mesh between both aerospace and clinical, and um, that is working with very similar organisms that are resistant and resilient. And, you know, that's pretty much the same line of work. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that as I as I go through my introduction about how I got into the space. Okay, and I think people would be really interested to know, um, particularly students perhaps that studied the same thing as you or students that are currently at the University of Nottingham. How did you get from being a uh, schoolgirl um, and then going through university and then getting to where you are now? How do you go from that A to B? Yeah, so I'm just going to walk you through my childhood and, you know, really a momentous moment that that led me into the sciences. So uh, just a little bit about myself growing up. Um, I was born and raised in California. You know, I can't leave California because of the great weather <laughs> and the beaches. So, you know, growing up, it was it was great. Um, my parents were immigrants from China and Hong Kong, and uh, English was actually my second language. And um, I, I kind of stuck out a bit because in my neighborhood, I was mainly the only Asian American kid on the block. So I always stuck out and I felt a little bit out of place. Um, along with that, I never took a particular interest in any subjects in primary school. So I was I always felt a little bit out of place um, at the age of four. I actually had kidney failure from a contaminated burger that I ate and it was, it was contaminated with E. coli and I ended up getting hemorrhagic E. coli, uh, which is E. coli 0157. And, you know, that really changed my life uh, from a health perspective and how I developed my passion for the sciences. Uh, my parents were really traumatized from the event. So I, I lived a quite sheltered life and I was encouraged to play on the safe side. Um, I was pretty introverted and I was really into music 
and that was because my parents tried to keep me away from anything that was really too too dangerous. So um, in my undergrad, I really wanted to. I was always wondering, you know, how how did I get to the point where I became so sheltered? I didn't eat out.、Um, I didn't eat fast food for a really long period of time, and I was really interested in how I ended up getting a disease. So I, I made the decision to study public health sciences.、Um, I wanted to learn more about bacteria and how they caused infections. And I ended up volunteering at a medical center、uh, where I tested E. coli actually,、um, and I was able to work with some great mentors. So、um, from there. I graduated、uh, UC Irvine, and I worked at two hospitals, and I worked another part-time job teaching music. So I worked in the clinical laboratory for Children's Hospital, and I worked、um, at UC Irvine Medical Center in the microbiology lab. And I worked some crazy hours. I worked from 6 a.m. until 2 p.m. and then 3 p.m. till 11 p.m. And I would do it all over again the next day. And I would teach piano on the weekends. So I was I was actually sleeping in my car for a while. I was working these crazy hours, and you know, at some point I thought, okay, I need I need to do something else. I I mean, I love microbiology, but I can't keep working like this. So I was looking up some master's programs online, and I found Nottingham University had this great program. You know, it was a one-year master's program, which was perfect for me. And you know, before that, I have never ever left the country. And I was so excited when I found this program. I told my parents, and again, that sheltered life. I, I really, they really freaked out, <laughs> and it took some convincing. But you know, I, I really needed to start growing up,、um, and you know, being able to travel to another country and, you know, learn this topic that I was really interested in. It was quite、um, a feat for me. So I was able to go to Nottingham University, studied a year there, and part of the program offered. A research module where you're able to specialize in something. So, I chose spore-forming organisms as my specialty,、um, Clostridium difficile, and that's spore formers are basically indestructible pods. And when you're trying to eliminate them, they're basically impossible to eliminate. And that's actually the bridging factor. That's how I got my job at NASA JPL. So. At NASA JPL, we have a contamination problem of these spore-forming organisms, and figuring out ways to decontaminate to keep the spacecraft clean was the job description. And you know, I actually fell into that because right after I graduated, I start I started doing job searches. I was already I already had the mindset as、uh, you know, I'm going to specialize in this. I'm really really interested in this. I want to take this forward. So I actually searched up keywords online, spore-forming organisms, and I actually found this position, planetary protection, with this job description. So I I think I got really lucky, and also being very proactive in my field, and you know, really solidifying what I wanted to do, really helped me find find that bridge over to NASA JPL. And、um, yeah, so from there, I started working as a contamination and planetary protection control engineer, and it it really changed my life. I really、um, made that change from clinical sciences over to aerospace, and I don't regret it one day. So I imagine you were saying about、um, couldn't leave California for too long. I imagine Nottingham was quite a change. No beaches and no particularly hot weather over here. Oh my goodness, definitely not. <laughs> I just remember having that one week of summer. <laughs> and 
a lot of the students were like, hey, let's let's do a barbecue. And, you know, I got really excited. I was expecting a fancy grill, but instead we had some, you know, tr aluminum tray foils. Disposable barbecues, yeah. Exactly. And I was just like, what? This is what you guys do for a barbecue? And that barbecue, I swear, lasted less than two, three hours, and then it became gloomy and windy, and we didn't even end up doing the barbecue in the end. So yeah, it's definitely, um, it was definitely a change for me, but you know, I really enjoyed my time at Nottingham University. We had really diverse faculty, and um, I actually still keep in touch with a lot of my classmates uh, who come and visit California once in a while. So, you know, the whole experience was so rewarding from an educational standpoint, and also from, you know, just, in making connections um, and really being able to go out and explore and get out of my comfort zone because I, I said before that I've lived a very sheltered life. So um, I was really lucky to be able to get this opportunity and then be able to turn it into, you know, uh, another uh, chapter in my career. The reason that we're speaking to you today is because uh, International Women's Day uh, this year is the theme Choose to Challenge. And so you've mentioned there that um, you faced quite a significant challenge as a child. Um, obviously, then there was a challenge moving somewhere else and uh, studying. What challenges have you faced beyond that or perhaps maybe expand more on the ones that you've already mentioned? Yeah. So, you know, I just want to touch a little bit on uh, gender stereotypes in the workplace and, you know, being in a STEM background and going into a field that's predominantly, you know, male has been quite challenging. And um, just at my previous workplaces, I'm not pointing out one in general, but you know, it, it was a stereotype that, you know, all the women cannot have lead positions. Um, I walked into a room full of uh, white males um, who are leading the meeting and you're sitting there as the only female and it really gets into your head sometimes. You're wondering, am I good enough? Um, I'm quite young and getting into a new field. Um, can I do this? So, you know, being able to overcome that internally um, has been quite a challenge and, um, I've had some managers, you know, male managers who, who favored women employers and um, they liked to help the workers who were help the female workers who seemed helpless. You know, they liked that damsel in distress um, type of scenario. But, you know, some managers took opportunities from female workers, um, especially when women show that capability to lead. And then, you know, just women who have great opinions of their own, but they didn't recognize them because they felt too strong for them, for example. I mean, I've been in those situations and uh, part of it is dealing it with it internally and accepting the fact that you're in this field of male, it's male dominated and you're just entering in the field. You have to really step up and and show that you're, you're worth, your worth and you deserve that position. So I think it's a lot of internal struggle um, and being able to to manifest that into something better, um, I think that's that's one thing that I really really had to overcome in the workplace. Picking up on uh, what you said about um, just being a woman in the industry, mm -hmm. have you found that it's got better as you've um, progressed through your career, or are you still finding that there is this uh, either surprise, or do you feel actually that you're having to work harder in a lot of ways for the same recognition as men in the same position? Yeah, great question. So I think it's actually getting better. Um, women are getting more recognition for what they're doing. And, 
you know, I, I see a lot of that on social media, actually. Um, I follow a lot of women who are in STEM and women who are trying to get into STEM. And I've seen a lot of positivity on that end. Yeah, I really think that, you know, things are changing for the better. And um, a lot of workplaces are being more inclusive and women are getting more opportunities. And I'm seeing that not only on social media, but also uh, at my current workplace where we see now we're hiring more women. That's the same being an Asian American woman, or do you feel like you, that's a whole nother um, sort of issue to tackle um, as well as being a woman? I think that's another issue to tackle. Um, I would say a majority of the women are hired are, are white women or um, also white men in the STEM industry, but I think it's getting a lot better. Again, I'm on social media. I'm following a lot of women minority members who are, you know, there are a lot of opportunities that are open. Um, and I can list some opportunities and internships where they offer and extend this to, to women. There's a internship called the Brooks Fellow Scholarship where, where they award money to minority women to get into aerospace. So there's a lot of opportunities to seek. Um, and on, on top of that, I know a lot of women on social media serve as these figures and you know they reach out and they help um, a lot of the students in their neighborhood and communities. So I think it's, it's in terms of that, uh, women are giving back and are lifting other women up in the field. So I think it's going to get better. It's definitely something that we need to work on. And um, yeah, I think every day it's it's getting better. That's definitely heartening to hear. Um, and of course, so many women have faced so many challenges this year. Um, I, everyone has, but um, many women particularly. How do you see your next few months progressing? And what have you got coming up? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, so um, I have some big things coming up. I'm currently working on the next era of sample return missions. So um, not only more sample return, I'm also working on MMX, which is Martian Moon's exploration mission with uh, the Japanese Space Agency. And um, this consists of a lot of science and some engineering work. Uh, for the science perspective, we're trying to bring back samples safely to Earth without contaminating Earth. So I'm trying to develop a way of, of working with the engineers and developing solutions for that. Um, in terms of MMX, I'm doing some hardware assembly and helping them build um, some of the structures that are going to touch the samples. So, you know, keeping those surfaces clean is, is a big thing. Um, additionally, I'm working on the NASA Food Challenge and bringing to the International Space Station a testing mechanism where we can safely grow foods. And actually, that's open to international students. So um, I think that's that's a really great opportunity for, for people to look out to. And, you know, just on top of that, I just wanted to say that if you're trying to get into aerospace, you don't know how, you know, you can always reach out to me and I'm more than willing to be a mentor. Um, I've actually mentored a lot of students um, during my time at JPL and now at Honeybee Robotics. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to all this great work. Um, and if you want to get involved in the space industry, you know, just send over an email and I'm sure Catherine will find a way to provide my email onto this platform. And yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me. Definitely. And I'm sure there are people listening that will take you up on that because hearing you talk about um, the missions that are going on and the projects you're working on, it is amazing. How does it feel being in the forefront of space travel and all of the things that are currently going on? It's very exciting. Just the other day, we had the Mars 2020 mission land. So I was actually out at Kennedy Space Center working on Mars 2020 for the 
for six months supporting Atlo, which is the test campaign and the launch operations that go on to successfully launch um, the rover into space. So that was really exciting, being able to watch it two miles from the launch pad and being so close and working on the mission for, you know, the past four years. Uh, so it was really, it was a really great feeling to know that Percy is now on Mars collecting samples for the next leg of the Mars sample return campaign. He's called Percy? Yeah, his name <laughs> is Percy. So it's Perseverance, but we call him Percy. And we also have the helicopter named Ingenuity. And the names were chosen actually by high school students um, who are now going to apply for college and they're, they're applying into the aerospace industry. So it comes full circle. <laughs> Oh, that's so! I like that they've got names. That's just a very silly thing that uh, that appeals to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. So I think people will definitely take you up on the contact that we were saying earlier, because I think so often, um, particularly talking about space and NASA and aerospace engineering or whatever it might be, it feels very unattainable because maybe you don't know anybody, particularly maybe as women, we don't have that many role models in that space. Um, what kind of projects or are there things going on um, that people perhaps listening now, university students can get involved in if they think, oh, I'd love to do what she's doing. It sounds so cool. Yeah, great question, Catherine. So I recently went on this mission called High Seas um, Analog Astronaut Training Program. And basically what this was, was promoting women in STEM. And they choose six crew members and they make it a point to include female crew members. So I was able to get funding um, and the costs weren't too much. I was able to find a project that I was really interested in and I applied and I was able to go to Hawaii um, on the top of Mauna Loa, which is a, a volcano. And I lived in this enclosed habitat for two weeks. And it was such a great experience because living like an astronaut seems, you know, pretty easy but when, when it actually comes down to it there's a lot of things that are factored in so you know water's limited you only have you know a few hundred gallons that you have to split between six people and we couldn't shower for two weeks <laughs> and the bathroom situation wasn't the greatest and part of that we also had to eat dehydrated foods like an astronaut did so we took turns cooking and you know, experimenting with foods. But then on top of all of the living situation, being able to you know, adapt to that environment. When, when, you, when you walk out of this enclosed environment, you have to wear, you have to wear a spacesuit. So we practiced wearing spacesuits and even had an air ventilator that you can turn on and off um, to practice you know, living in space or working out in space. And you know, that's actually gonna be very, very soon because we're going to be going to, to the moon and we have so many experiments lined up for these astronauts to to perform out in the moon environment or the Mars environment. And this program really gave some insight to how, how astronauts function um, and how psychologically that changes you and you know how you have to really conserve energy and resources in order to, to make that happen. So uh, this program, High Seas, is a really great one. And if you wanted to learn more about it, please let me know. It's open to international students, um, international companies. Um, it's, I thought it was the great, greatest experience. And perhaps Catherine can share some photos of me during this, this time. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to talk more about it. And do you think after that you're cut out to be an astronaut? Do you think you could ever go for it? Yes and no. <laughs> I think the living situation wasn't my favorite thing, but in terms of 
performing the science experiments. I mean, they do this on the International Space Station. They they perform these experiments from day to night. It's one of those things that I'm very interested in uh, from an experiment perspective. But in terms of the living situation, I'm not too fond of that. <laughs> well, it sounds like they need you on the ground doing things. So I'm sure they'll help keep you there for as long as they can. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was such an interesting chat. Yeah, thank you so much, Catherine. And I hope, you know, I can inspire the next generation of women in STEM. And uh, like I said, if, if anybody wants to chat, you know, just drop me a line and Catherine will provide my email for that. Definitely. And we really appreciate you doing that. What have you got coming for the rest of the day? What are you, uh, we're recording, I should say. Uh, it's four, it's half past three my time. So very, very leisurely, but it's uh, half seven with you, isn't it, in the morning? It is. I'm just trying to get to work now and gonna go into the clean room and work on some hardware and then go in the lab and test some extreme microbes to see if they survive radiation. Well then, I'm gonna go make a cup of tea just to be stressed <laughs> about all of that because that sounds like a very full day. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for a really inspiring podcast. This is our final International Women's Day podcast, and we hope you have enjoyed hearing from staff and alumni during our mini-series celebrating women within the University of Nottingham community. Our very grateful thanks to everybody who's been involved in recording and working on these podcasts, and specific thanks to Catherine Whittingham for the two interviews that she conducted with Her Spirit and with Linda and with Liz. To Catherine from University of Nottingham Radio who interviewed four uh, of our very inspiring alumni and has provided us with such interesting and engaging podcasts to Rachel Green for all her work, both in terms of the International Women's Day events, but with specific thanks for these podcasts. And huge thanks to Mercedes, who's just been a complete stalwart uh, in terms of the technology. So thank you, thank you to everybody for their involvement and commitment and engagement with these podcasts. And thank you again for listening.